Last week, we started a three-week mini-series from the book of Deuteronomy. We learned that Deuteronomy is a book about transition. The people of Israel are standing on the banks of the Jordan River with the Promised Land in sight. They are no longer wandering in the wilderness, but they have yet to enter the land flowing with milk and honey. They are forced to live in between. They are in transition. Here at New Life Philly, we too are in a time of transition this year. If Deuteronomy is the story of a people in transition, then it's a book we need as a people in transition. Our invitation last week was to stand alongside the children of Israel in between two places. Whether it is the unknowns about some of the things uh, about the future for our church, or personal grief, or job uncertainty, or family instability, or spiritual doubt, we are invited to wait in transition. Deuteronomy is an invitation to live in between, but it is not without guidance. Our passage today gives us an important suggestion about how to live during our in-between times, how the past can give us an identity in the present and a hope for the future. We're calling this three-part mini-series 2018, A Year of Transition. The title of the message today is The Power of Remembering During the In-Between. The Power of Remembering During the In-Between. Deuteronomy urges us to remember. That's really the main point of this message. Deuteronomy urges us to remember. We noted last time that Deuteronomy is largely a repetitive book. Moses repeats stories and laws from the previous four books of, of the Torah. While Israel waits on the banks of the Jordan, Moses repeats a previous sermon on the Ten Commandments, originally found in the book of Exodus. Nothing new here, same old stuff. At least it would appear that way at first glance. However, there is something different. Moses makes a subtle addition, and it's easy to miss it if you aren't looking for it. There is a little verse tucked in near the end of the fourth commandment, which is the commandment to keep the Sabbath. It's a passage that's easy to miss, considering the magnitude of the surrounding material. It sits like a rose planted in a cornfield, towering stalks of corn obscuring it from view. And yet, if our eyes catch this hidden gem, we discover something. We uncover a distinct and dominant theme that runs throughout the book of Deuteronomy. It's a theme that offers us one of the keys to living in the in-between of transition. Here it is, verse 15 of Deuteronomy chapter 5. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. There it is, a simple word, the first word in the verse. Remember. Remember. Here, subtly embedded amidst the towering Ten Commandments, is a concept not often noticed until we tune our eyes to see it and to look for it elsewhere. Once you've tuned in, you can hardly escape it. It repeats like waves crashing on the shore. Here's what is so striking about it. We already know that Deuteronomy is covering material found in the previous four books of the law. Yet the word remember is relatively absent from those books. 
When you combine Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, the word remember only appears about 20 times across all four of those books combined. And in nearly every case, the word remember shows up as something God does. It refers to God remembering his covenant with his people. Deuteronomy reverses this. The call to remember echoes over 40 times throughout the book of Deuteronomy. This is one of the distinctive themes of the book. So by way of such a contrast, it becomes a call for us to remember God's faithfulness in the past. Our passage today is just one of the many times this this theme of remember shows up. Listen to its echoes throughout Deuteronomy. Chapter 7, verse 18. Remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Chapter 8, verse 2. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Chapter 15, verse 15. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Chapter 16, verse 12. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt. Chapter 24, verse 9. Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on your journey out of Egypt. Chapter 24, verse 18. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Chapter 24, verse 22. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Chapter 32, verse 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years long past. Ask your father, and he will inform you, your elders, and they will tell you. Here it is. While we live in between, while we are in transition, we are called to remember God's mighty work, God's great faithfulness. So if you're wondering, what am I supposed to do while I'm waiting for what is next? One answer Deuteronomy offers is to remember. There are a couple of things that happen as we remember. First, remembering gives us identity. Remembering gives us identity. Why is this so important? One reason is that in times of transition, we start to wonder about our sense of self. Our our identity feels like it's a bit at stake. We feel a bit insecure. We used to know who we were, but not so much who we will be going forward. God shows us something here. He knows that memory determines identity. The things we choose to remember about our past are the things that shape our sense of identity today. About two and a half years ago, my stepmother Amy had a stroke, a very serious stroke, where she and my dad were living out in Tucson. And she emerged from that stroke, she survived, um, and she emerged physically strong, except her memory was gone. It's as, almost as if the stroke had wiped it clean. I went out to see them about a month after the stroke, and when I went into her room at the rehab center, she didn't know who I was. She didn't recognize me. She didn't know my name. She couldn't remember anything about Philadelphia, where she and Dad had lived for a while with Shelley and me. Her memory was gone. She didn't know who we were. She didn't know who she was. And at one point, 
Dad and I stepped out into the hall, an aide came in to help her with something. And while the aide was in there, I and we were out in the hall, I could hear Amy say to the aide, those are my friends out there. Those are my friends out there. In other words, she didn't know she was married to my father. She didn't know I was his son. She didn't know who we were, really. And so she didn't know who she was. See, memory gives us identity. Lose your memory, you lose your identity. And one of the things we learn from these passages in Deuteronomy is that Moses is concerned that the younger generation might forget who they are as they enter the promised land. That's why he says over and over, remember, 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 especially that you were slaves. Remember where you came from. It it is the difficulty in the desert that made you who you are. When you enter the posh comfort of a land flowing with milk and honey, remember that your identity was forged by the persecution of slavery and by God's mighty deliverance setting you free to live as his sons and daughters. In this transition, Israel was getting a history lesson in order to tether them to their identity as God's redeemed people in a time of uncertainty and waiting. Recently, I came across some incredible stories of people who were conscientious objectors during World War II. Now, my father is part of what is now commonly called the greatest generation, those who served and fought in World War II. I have tremendous respect and appreciation for them. But I had never heard the stories of those who chose not to serve for reasons of conscience and faith. I had no idea of the kind of persecution they had endured from having their homes splashed with yellow paint, to literally being tarred and feathered. Some even had threats on their lives. I had never really encountered people who took their allegiance to Jesus over country so seriously. One thing was clear, their memory of those experiences made them who they are today, like the Israelites on the banks of the Jordan listening to Moses. Those conscientious objectors did not say it this way, but it kind of echoes our text today. When terrorism threatens us, or when war seems like the only answer, remember that we were persecuted for our commitment to Christ and to nonviolence. Remember how God was faithful in the midst of those threats. It is often said that the younger generation is the future of the church, and that is true. And it's true here and now in our church. But having said that, the older generation is just as much a part of that future. They hold our collective past, our collective memory, and thus our current and future identity. Their memories and stories of God's work and his faithfulness have the power both to ground our identity and to unleash a vital and vibrant future. For this reason, may you and I heed Moses' call in this time of transition. Remember, remember, remember that you were a slave in Egypt. Remember the days of old. Consider the years long past. Ask your father, and he will inform you, your elders, and they will tell you. This call to remember is not a call 
to repeat or try to relive the past, that is impossible. Instead, it is a call to know the past so that we might know God and know ourselves and not lose ourselves or our God in times of transition. The Apostle Paul put it like this, Remember, there's that word again, Remember that at one time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world, Ephesians 2. He says, I want to remind you, that's a remember word, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. 1 Corinthians 15. Remember Jesus Christ, he says, raised from the dead. This is my gospel, 2 Timothy 2. Remember, remember Jesus, remember the gospel. This is a call from Old Testament to new, from slavery to freedom, from sin to forgiveness, from death to life. This is a call to remember. Remember how we got from where we were in our lost and broken condition to where we are now as sons and daughters of the living God. We are people who have been redeemed by the grace of God, who have been made alive in Christ, and who are being made whole in Him. This is a call to remember the God who got you there, and to remember His gospel good news, which is His very power for your salvation and your transformation. Don't let transitions make you forget who you are, and where he is taking you. Here's another thing that happens when we remember. Remembering gives us hope. Remembering gives us hope. If our memory shapes our identity, there's another thing it does even more powerfully. Our memory has the power to generate hope in times of transition. By remembering God's faithfulness in the past, we can better imagine a hopeful future. Remembrance is a hope builder during times of transition and uncertainty. All of life is lived between our memory of the past and our imagination of the future. It's like a rudder on a ship. Our memories powerfully shape and direct our vision of the future. And this is the second reason Moses calls Israel to remember. Remembering gives us hope. God wants us to dig up memories of the times he has broken into our lives and met us in amazing ways. It's strange, isn't it, how quickly we forget those things? God seems to know this about us. We have short-lived and often fragile memories. This is why over and over he calls us to commemorate these events. Whether it is by stones stacked up by a river or by tassels, Tied on the four corners of our garments, Moses exhorts the people repeatedly in Deuteronomy to find concrete ways to commemorate these things God has done. Build an altar. Raise up an Ebenezer. As I'm on the riverbank between pastoring and retiring, I spend a lot of time wondering what's next and why God always seems quiet when I ask him about that. But God always gives me glimpses of hope. I've experienced him deeply and have not felt abandoned. He hasn't told me what's next, by the way. But he has made it clear that the in-between time has purpose and is never meaningless. 
I have a bottle of water that I filled in the Jordan River when this church sent Shelley and me on a very special trip to Israel 20 years ago. I had been diagnosed with post-polio syndrome just a couple years before that, and my legs were starting to go. I think the thought was, let's get him there while he can still do some serious walking around. How true that has proven to be. I'm not sure I could make that trip now. So I filled a bottle with Jordan River water. I stood in the Jordan, and I filled that bottle. And I carried that bottle of Jordan River water back home with me. It sits on a windowsill in our den upstairs. And whenever I sit or study in that room, there it is. I see it. And you know what it does? It reminds me that I have been on the banks of the Jordan before. And God has been faithful to me from that day forward up to now. That little bottle of Jordan River water speaks hope to me. That my God is the God of all hope for the future. During all the in-between times of uncertainty and waiting beside the Jordan. Today, as long as it is called today, you and I have opportunities to remember and commemorate times when God met us and did something we needed that only he could do. When we are in between, what we need most is hope. But hope has to be nurtured like a flower planted and rooted in the soil. You cannot do anything directly to make a flower grow, but you can till the soil. The act of consciously, deliberately remembering the works of God, that is a spiritual practice that tills the soil of our spiritual lives. We rehearse who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We rehearse times in our lives when God has intervened and delivered us. In fact, for that reason, we're going to start a new sermon series next month on the life and work of Christ. Focusing on Jesus helps us till the soil of our spiritual lives so the flower of hope can be growing during the in-between times in which we find ourselves. So let's be remembering. I want you to think about when was the last time God showed up in your life? Do you remember when God intervened in an impossible situation? How he blessed you in the middle of a crisis? We tend to have short memories when it comes to crises, to the hardships of the faith journey. For some reason, it's easy to forget God's past faithfulness when a new obstacle threatens to derail our life. It just seems to take over everything. Jesus told his followers to expect challenges. Don't be surprised when trials come, when you don't understand what's happening or why or where it's all going. This is part of the normal life of faith in a fallen, broken world. Instead of being surprised and derailed, stop and remember what God has done for you in the past. Hold on to the faith of yesterday to get through the transition of today to move into the hope of tomorrow. Are you with me? Let me say that again. Hold on to the faith of yesterday to get through the transition of today to move into the hope of tomorrow. This is what we do. We look back in order to move forward. We look back in order to move forward. 
The children of Israel were experiencing precisely this kind of fear and uncertainty on the banks of the Jordan, on the brink of entering that promised land. They were in such a transition with the wilderness behind them and the land of promise before them. They were supposed to somehow go in and take that land, a land, by the way, that was filled with lots of big, strong people living in heavily fortified cities. How are we supposed to do that? They began to doubt, even to panic. And that's when Moses began telling them to remember, look back at the miracles God performed in the past. The people were only focused on the problem, the challenge. And the longer they focused there, the greater their fear grew. The longer they focused on the problem, the faster they forgot the miracles God had performed in Egypt just a generation earlier to free his people from bondage. In the same way, Jesus says to us today as his followers, stop, remember, look back. Look back to the miraculous power of God. Look back to the amazing love of God. Look back to how God has blessed you in the past as you live in the transition of preparing to face the challenges ahead of you. Maybe you don't know where you're headed in your career or in a, a key relationship or in your marriage or in your family or in our church life. Maybe you can't see past the current transition or even crisis. Perhaps nothing makes sense and you feel like you're going nowhere. Stop. Look back. Remember. Remember how God has carried you in the past. Remember. Remember your Heavenly Father. Always remember Him in your impossible circumstances, meeting your needs day in and day out. He's a good, good Father. Stop. Remember. Look back to move forward. As we wrap things up, I want to give you an assignment about remembering. Here's your assignment for this week. Take some time this week to look back to a time of crisis or waiting in the past. Remember how God met you and led you forward from there. That's your assignment. Take some time this week to look back to a time of crisis or waiting in the past. Remember how God met you and led you forward from there. There it is. That's your assignment. That's your mission, should you choose to accept it. And it's not a mission impossible at all. And then next Sunday, as we gather together, we will have a time of sharing those remembrances during the worship service. We, we need to honor God and encourage each other by sharing those how God worked reflections from our lives. So come ready to share something brief next Sunday. In 30 seconds or less, we want lots of people coming up to the mic uh, as we did during our Thanksgiving service. Uh, rapid fire like popcorn going off everywhere. Be ready. Come to share something God did for you that helped you move forward from a time of waiting or even crisis. Let's look back together in order to move forward together. Amen? Amen.